Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Final hour is here. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network with Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Chad Withrow will check in from Scottsdale in about 30 minutes. We've been previewing Titans and Jets. Uh, Brady's return to Foxborough and everything in between. The Vols hit the road to face Missouri tomorrow. And uh, the very best in Vols coverage happens each and every Friday with us. The Tennessee Power Hour is here. The VolQuest Power Hour with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price of VolQuest.com. Brent, hope you're doing well. Austin, you as well. Doing great. Good to see you guys. Hope everybody is doing well. And uh, here's hoping that uh, it's an interesting and fun weekend of football. There's a lot of great storylines, both in the college ranks and, and yes. the NFL ranks. And uh, we'll see what this Tennessee team can do or, or, or not do uh, and what Missouri can do or not do as these two teams try to figure out kind of who they are heading into week five. Austin, hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We are excellent. Uh, I'm, I'm about to head to, to Tuscaloosa. I've got Alabama Ole Miss tomorrow for Outkick the Tailgate. Uh, Paul's about to go to New York. He gets to visit his parents, and he gets to check out Titans and Jets on Sunday. Big football weekend. We're here to preview it. Um, Paul, it was not an easy trip for the Vols. No, it, uh, there's so much talk about SEC expansion. Shouldn't we talk about SEC contraction? <laughs> if you play in a village that can't land a damn plane, <laughs> should you be in the major conference in the United States? This is why, well, look, I cover the NFL. You could go to any airport you want in the NFL <laughs> and land your plane. Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not go that. ahead. I was gonna say they're trying to fix that. They've got that's why they're doing the rope, the construction on, you know, there at the airport. Um, certain <laughs> yeah. planes can land right now, but not Tennessee. Take so. them out. Take them out until they fix it. <laughs> well, here, here's my thing: is that, I mean, I guess that sinkhole or pothole got really big right before the season started. Because <laughs> why, why would you not do that renovation in the spring or the summer? Because here's the thing: the only time a big plane is landing in Columbia, Missouri. It is when somebody comes in to play Missouri in football. That's yeah. the only time. Because, I mean, regular commercial flights are landing in there because it's those little puddle jumpers, uh, which they can land. They just can't land a big plane. And so I'm not sure why the um, decision to do that, because it, it not only messes with the road team coming in, but imagine being Missouri. Every time you go on the road in Missouri and you're a Missouri guy, you got to get on a bus and ride two hours to St. Louis to catch a plane. What's the second worst airport in the SEC? Uh, th this is the hardest trip, regardless of what the airport is, because it's so far away. I mean, you, you know, if you go, you fly to St. Louis and catch a puddle jumper, or you land in St. Louis and rent a car and drive a couple of hours. Uh, this is the first time Tennessee's played during the day there. Um, all their other games have been night games, which means it's just a full onslaught weekend, or you catch the early flight out on Saturday morning, Austin, uh, to get there. I mean, it's just it's not the easiest place in the conference to get for people in the Eastern Division. I don't think people in the East dislike Missouri, but I don't think they like traveling to Missouri in any sport at any time of the year. I feel like Hubs is getting ready to break down going to Bye Bye Baby or Babies <laughs> Are Us. 
you know, buying puddle jumpers, um, you know, for, for children. Like I, he keeps referencing this, you know, those are called small. We call it, I call it the flying sardine can airplane. So, <laughs> okay. So you're, so where are you going? You're going, you're going to, you're going to Aldi to buy some yes. sardines for lunch. Yeah. Is that what you're doing? All right. Exactly great. what I'm doing. I'm going to babies or us and you're going to some wholesale food distributor. That's great. Guys. Uh, Hendon hooker getting the reps this week. He's playing and starting, right? Yes. Easy, easy answer on that. Like, no question. Or should we even debate that? Well, I mean, oh, he, he's taking all the ones. He's going to start. And, and Brent, you know, if if it got to be really bad weather, could you see a potential Joe Milton? They had that scrimmage in the flood, and you know, back in August, and and Joe performed really well uh, because his hands are so big with a wet football. You know, I, I think it's potential if they have some bad weather and they're struggling to do anything on offense that you could see Joe Milton. Otherwise, I, I think it's Hendon Hooker all day. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Hooker has asserted himself as Tennessee's best option at the quarterback position. Maybe he doesn't play tempo-wise as fast as you would want, but he, he's really made one mistake throwing the football, and that was obviously very costly, the interception late in the pit game. Uh, but he took care of the football last week against Florida, and he was knocked around pretty good, a lot of pressure there. Uh, but he's given some guys a chance to make a play when he throws the football, and, and Joe Milton's just not doing that. We saw that even last week when Joe came in. I mean, he threw a couple of – ripped a couple of slants to Valus Jones that were great throws that you're like, hey, that's an NFL throw. And then, you know, everything after that was out of bounds, over somebody's head, or um, he, he tried to stick that ball in the guy's face mask on the on the Utah pass, on the shovel pass. That's the <laughs> – that looked like a that looked like a fast pitch softball pitch coming at uh, the running back on, on that play. So you know, I just think Hendon gives Tennessee a better chance at this point. Any throw that Joe makes, Hutton, that yeah. is more than that, that has more than twenty degree uh, degrees of elevation, is it, it, it just flies so far. Yeah, you know, he, he Brent's right. I mean, the, the throws he made on the slants and stuff, you're just like. Wow, how does where's the disconnect on all these other throws? Because I mean, it's, it's pretty. Yeah, it's like me on the golf course. Every club goes about 150 yards. Every pass for for Joe Milton goes about 70. It feels like right, like 450. 450. Yeah, sometimes it feels like that. Um, are they going to be able to protect Hooker tomorrow um, in in this game in, in, in Columbia? They, Brent, you referenced this. He got knocked around at Florida. Uh, Cooper Mays is not going to play. At least it doesn't appear he's going to. So what do they do on the offensive line? How healthy are they other than Mays? Well, other than Mays, they're, they're pretty healthy. I mean, Kingston Harris is out at the guard spot, which is a problem because Mays is out. So what happens when Mays goes out, they slide Jerome Carvin to center, and then they've got to find another guard, and that's been Kingston Harris. But because he's out, that'll be Ollie Lane, who played the second half of the Bowling Green game. So it's the, they're not going in completely inexperienced. The biggest concern they have on the offensive line um, they're not, it's not their five best. That's the first thing. And secondly, they're razor thin. They, they can't afford a sprained ankle. Um, they can't afford somebody getting banged up for, you know, a few plays. I mean, they, they have got to stay healthy. They, they got to play five and play those five tomorrow. I think, I just don't think there's enough bodies there elsewhere. Uh, Hubs, they can't afford a helmet coming off. Like that's how thin they are. They can't afford one play. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a real challenge to, to, from a schematic standpoint or from a game standpoint in terms of answering your question, uh, Jonathan. It, they have got to win first and second down. They cannot be in long yarded situations. If you go watch any of Missouri's game tape, 
um, or, or if you've seen them play this year, and, and I, I watched Kentucky this week and I watched Boston College this week, Missouri is pretty basic when it's manageable yardage. Mm-hmm. But when they get second and eight, they get third and seven, they will blitz from different directions. Their middle linebacker loves the A-gap blitz. He's got four sacks on the year. They've got 14 sacks as a team. But those sacks seemingly come mostly off of pressure when they get you in third and long or second and long. Tennessee's got to stay on schedule. They can't get in a bunch of long yard situations because if they do, there's going to be a lot of pressure coming. And then I don't know how well Tennessee's offensive line can hold up. Austin, I saw the, the numbers this week where Tennessee's averaging three plays per minute uh, off the clock. Uh, how much of a disadvantage does that put that offensive line in right now? Well, I, it does put them in a, in a bind. Um, you know, here's the deal, though. The, the tempo, when, it, when it's clicking, when it's working, is really, really good. When it's not and Tennessee gets forced off the field with quick three and outs, then it's hurting the entire team because, you know, I don't feel like the offense is getting any rhythm. The defense is out there on the field a, a strong portion of the night. And then, you know, to make it specifically about the offensive line, it's hard for them to get a rhythm. You know, I mean, they've had kind of so many moving pieces early in the year. Um, you know, they need to find some rhythm. So, you know, going supersonic is, is, is good when it's going great, but when it's not going well, it's, it's, it's goes the other direction. Well, and here's the thing too, if you go look and we had this in the war room, I mean, Josh Heupel, uh, with this tempo offense likes to play more than five offensive linemen, uh, when he's got the bodies there, I mean, at central Florida, they typically played, um, six or seven offensive linemen in a rotation. They would rotate some guys out. This offensive line's had a lot of penalties this year. Not all of them have come late in the game. Um, not all of them have come late in a drive, but some of them have. And, and part of that's a fatigue. You go back and look at when Jerome Carvin was at center and he had back-to-back holding penalties uh, early in the year. I, I think those were fatigue, fatigue plays because he's playing center for the first time. He's trying to get going. And there's a little bit of, you know, he's reaching for something. Um, so I, I think that um, – they would like to have more bodies, but they are who they are. And Josh Heupel's not going to suddenly come out and play four-minute offense and, and do what BC did last week. And it's two tight ends and, and try to run the clock and shorten the game. That's not what Tennessee's going to do. With Mays uh, not expected to play again, how much does that force them to shuffle and put them in a, in a bad spot in terms of that offensive line being able to keep up with things? I think it puts him in a, in a really tough spot, Paul. Um, you know, uh, Cooper just he, he he can run the offense from the center position better than anybody else. And then you just get weaker across the board. You're weak, a little bit weaker at center. Not that there's a, a huge difference between Carvin and, and, and Cooper, but Cooper can go faster. And then you get weaker at guard. Um, so uh, yeah, I think you know not having him out there. And then as Brent pointed out, Kingston Harris had played some decent football early in the year. Um, to not have him, if, if like let's say Ollie Lane has to come out for a few plays, who comes in at that point? Do they are they really go shot shift Kate in for a couple of plays and bring in one of the tackles, or do they bring in a guy like you know Jackson Lampley or Chris Ockperogene? Um, just to me, like the dynamics of the offensive line are something you have to watch in this football game because hey, Tennessee's expected to be able to run the ball against Missouri. Missouri's given up 270 yards on the ground a game, but you know, Tennessee didn't run it that well against Tennessee Tech two weeks ago, but then in turn ran it pretty well when Cooper was back and they had more of their full complement at Florida. Coming up on the VolQuest Power Hour, more of a preview of Tennessee and Missouri. Brent mentioned he's watched uh, Missouri 
at length in preparation for this game. We'll, we'll dive into some more of the game planning against these Missouri Tigers. Basilek in, in this offense, very efficient in the red zone. We'll dive into that matchup, uh, as well as the significance of this game for Josh Heupel. I, I'll explain that, and we'll, we'll take it around the horn a bit on how significant this matchup actually is for the new head coach. That is all straight ahead with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price on OutKick 360. Tennessee and Missouri coming up tomorrow morning. OutKick 360 rolls on. VolQuest Power Hour here as well with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price. Brent, Austin, um... I've, I don't know. I've, I've heard it a couple times this week. This is a very important game for Josh Heupel uh, as a, a staple, a, a stepping stone type game against Missouri. Heard the same thing uh, last year for Jeremy Pruitt in South Carolina, a game that they won. He ended up getting fired anyway. Uh, how important is this game for Heupel to set a tone against the Missouri team that you're trying to figure out where you are in the pecking order of the East? Well, I mean, I, I think you have to be careful, you know, with, with just calling it must win or this big, because everybody takes that and runs with it like it's some kind of hot seat talk or the narrative for Josh Heupel changes dramatically that he can't succeed here if he doesn't win that game. And, and I think all of that is just erroneous and not factual. That being said, this is a winnable conference football game for Tennessee. And when you start trying to count to six, if Tennessee is bowl eligible, who knows what's going to happen with the investigation? You start looking at six. How do you get to six? You know, you you gotta you, you know you gotta find ways to to win games like this. And I think Austin has said this, and and I, I probably said it somewhere along the way. Tennessee fans want to beat Georgia, Florida, Alabama, right? That's where they want to be at. They want to get back to that point. You, you can't skip the rung on the ladder to get there, okay? And and the next rung for Tennessee on the ladder is they've got to start consistently winning these type games first. Okay, they got to they got to beat the Missouri's of the world and, you know, beat Kentucky and, and South Carolina. That's where you got to get before you can talk about trying to catch somebody at the top right now. So in that perspective, yeah, I think this is an important game. It, it can set Tennessee on a solid course. I thought the pit was this pit game was the same opportunity at home that Tennessee was unable to capitalize on Austin. If, if you go back, Brent, prior to Jeremy Pruitt's second season, so after his first year, Tennessee had been atrocious against Vanderbilt, uh, Missouri, um, you know, South Carolina um, in, in recent years. Now, they'd had more success against Kentucky than the other three, um, but, you know, they had not been very good, not good enough. They had lost too many times to, to South Carolina in a row in Will Muschamp. They had lost too much to Missouri, uh, even though they had a couple of nice uh, little runs there with Josh Dobbs uh, in, during his tenure, and they would lost too much to Vanderbilt. But They've won seven of the last eight games against South Carolina, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Missouri, dating back starting the 2019 season. They won all four that season. They won three of four last year. The only one they lost was the uh, pick six game against Kentucky where they, you know, just kept giving it to the Wildcats. So, you know, they've started to turn the corner in these type games. Can they keep it going? I think that's one of the big reasons why I picked Tennessee tomorrow um, is because these kids have seen themselves beat Missouri and so much of it is seeing and believing you can do so. So I think they'll go into this game thinking, you know, hey, this is a game we can win. So Missouri throws a lot of checkdowns, screens, middle screens, and they're not uh, potent, uh, very lethal vertically. Most defenses would say, hey, that's great. Uh, we'll let you dink and dunk. 
Is this particularly dangerous for Tennessee, the way Tennessee defends? Well, I think two things, Paul. One, can Tennessee tackle Tyler Beatty in space? Okay, because Beatty's Missouri's best player at running back. He's 30, almost 39% of their offense. Uh, he, he catches it out of the backfield. They hand it to him. They use him in a variety of ways. They want to get him matched up on a linebacker because they think they can win a lot with that matchup. So how does Tennessee defend Beatty? Because I think that's who you have to stop first and foremost. And, and you, can, you can let them dink and dunk and, and throw some stuff underneath in, in zone coverage. It would help if your front four could get there. You know, if you're going to play zone and you can't get a pass rush on them, then it lets the quarterback get really comfortable. We saw that with Kenny Pickett uh, against against Pitt. He got really comfortable because Tennessee couldn't get home with four, and so those holes in the zones became bigger and bigger as Pickett got more and more time. So the question is, can Tennessee get home with any kind of pass rush without bringing the house? Um, and if they can't, then Tennessee's going to have to be aggressive and blitz, and that's going to get Beatty matched up one-on-one against some matchups that Missouri probably likes. Brent Hubbs, Austin Price, VolQuest.com, with us for the VolQuest Power Hour. Um, Where is this team mentally, Brent, off of the Florida game, and and what did they learn about their leadership? Well, Josh Heupel spoke this week about how he's seen a difference in the the room, uh, in the the position rooms and in the team room with some leadership. I I don't know what that means because I'm not in the room. you know, I think this team, um, I think there's some guys on this team that are tired of losing. Um, last year was not any fun. You know, they got off to the 2-0 and start, and then you, after that, you win one of your last, you know, eight games. That's a long season. And so I, I, I think there's a, there's a pretty good commitment level uh, to winning. I think it hurts them to lose. Um, but, again, how do they handle adversity tomorrow? Um, how do they handle a tight ball game late? Can they make the plays that they need to make? All, all of that. This team, Austin, does like each other. I think they get along well with each other. And I think they're willing to lay it on the line for each other. I think they've got pretty good chemistry, which should give you um, some more optimism about this team in a close game. Yeah, I, I do think their chemistry is good. The camaraderie is good. Just the depth's not real good. So, you know, as much as they all get along and, and, and play hard for one another and compete hard and, and want to do well, sometimes just the depth doesn't match up with the desire. Um, so, you know, for me, Tennessee's got to stay healthy. And uh, if they do so, then all the things Brent just talked about can really help this team in these type of games against Missouri and the, the games we just talked about a second ago. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think it matters. Um, Tennessee's just got to stay healthy for the little things like camaraderie and, and team chemistry to kick in. Austin, I'll start with you on this. Is this the game where we see Tennessee hit some big plays in the passing game with Missouri's youth in the secondary? Have plenty of sophomores in this group against a, a Tennessee passing attack that we want to see more from. Well, you know Tennessee's going to take some shots, Jonathan. And, you know, they last week they, they got Florida, kind of they had them stacked at the bottom and, you know, Peyton just kind of just ran right by Mordecai McDaniel, a guy that was once committed to Tennessee. Um, you know, do they scheme it up to get more guys open? You can bet money on that. Now, can Tennessee complete what has essentially all year been a route on air when Tennessee's done that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> Last right. week they did. You know, um, we'll see if they can do it tomorrow. But, you know, they're going to take shots. You know, you that's what they do. Like, not throwing the deep ball is like, you know, Bryson DeChambeau, you know, taking seven iron and laying up. It just doesn't happen. Like, you know, they're going to throw the, they're going to throw it over the top a few times and we'll see if they can connect on any. And if they can connect on any, 
and it opens things up for that offensive line, even though maybe they're thin and not as good and not don't have their best five, it opens them, them up to have more success in the run game. Well, and I think, you know, one, what, where's the weather at tomorrow? How does that play a factor yeah. in the football? We don't know that. We're, you know, we're all sitting here hoping the weather forecast gets better, but there is a chance of storms in the afternoon, so we'll see what that looks like. You know, last week, um, Tennessee caught Florida in a couple of blitzes, and, and the screen game worked pretty well. Um, I, I don't know that Missouri is, is going to do that, um, but we, we've seen Tennessee be able to scheme up guys open all year long. They've just got to execute better. Missouri, ironically, is playing Chris Abrams' drain, drain as their starting nickel guy. He was a wide receiver a year ago. This is his first time playing the position. He's had some growing pains. And then uh, a guy in their safety rotation was the starting quarterback against Tennessee for Missouri last year in the Robinson kid. So you're right. They're young back there. And watching them, it seems like they get confused with some stuff back there. So can tempo and scheme really create some big open plays for Tennessee? Because they've had some busts back there. Are those busts magnified if Tennessee can play fast because Missouri has not played a tempo team all year long? You think we see some adjustments to the wide receiver rotation at all? And, and do you think, given the rotation the way it's been, is it tough for that group to find a rhythm and continuity? Or am I reading too much into that? Oh, I, I think that they're going to play the same governor guys that you're playing them. As fast as they go and as much as they run, they have to rotate guys. Um, you know, it's as much as you would like to see Peyton and Bayless Jones, you know, every snap, that's just not realistic with, with how much they're running and how much they're, they're doing. Obviously, where's the confidence level of Jimmy Calloway after the big drop um, that I'm, you know, he's heard about all week, not internally, but externally, he's heard about that. You got to get him back going. I think Peyton Austin has emerged as their best big play threat. I think Bayless Jones is the guy who's best with the ball in, their, in his hands. And I wonder how big of a factor the tight end is on Saturday in Jacob Horn. They seem to be finding more wrinkles for him every week and trying to use him almost as a wide receiver weapon because they don't have all the weapons they would like to have at the receiver position. Yeah, you know, I, I, they're going to continue to use Jacob Horn, in my opinion. I think – the more they've gotten into the season, the more they're like, you know, this is a real weapon here. And 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 I did I see him having the year he's had to this point? No. Did I see him being a, a real factor though? Yeah. I mean, like this is just the change in the offense was always going to benefit him. I think nobody was more excited to see Josh Heupel and Alex Golish and 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 everybody roll into Tennessee than Jacob Warren. I'm with Brent. You know, I love Peyton and Hyatt over the top. And Bayless Jones, he can break tackles. You know, he's compact. He's built well. He is tough to tackle. It's what makes him good on uh, on kick and punt returns. So, you know, I, I would continue to feed those guys. But at some point, they're going to get Cedric Tillman going. Right, Hubs? I mean, at some point. Like, it just – he had too good a spring. He had too good a close to last year. And, and he was open early on when, when Milton just missed him there in the early couple of games. At some point, he's going to be a factor. Maybe it's Saturday. Maybe it's, you know – two weeks from now, but at some point, I expect Cedric Tillman to be a factor uh, at wide receiver again. Here's another guy, too, that I wonder, based on what happened last week and how he kind of played, I think he'll play more. Do they use Tyon Evans in the pass game? Do they create some mismatches with him? Hinton Hooker's got no problem checking it down. He's got good touch on the ball. I know they hit the one screen, but is there some other stuff where they can create more passing game weapons with a guy like Tyon Evans out of the backfield. Do they line him up in a different spot? Do they motion him out, create some mismatches? 
I think that's something that could grow. Will it grow this week? I don't know. But that may be something to watch moving forward as well. Guys, I know you both picked Tennessee to win uh, a close game at, at VolQuest.com with the picks are in uh, right now at the site. Vegas sees this as like a 65-and-a-half over-under total. Brent, they win a game like that, the Vols do on the road, if they can play a clean game. Do you buy that they can do that? Because we haven't seen that through four games. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be a huge factor. Do they not turn it over, and do they avoid the the, the crazy penalties? I mean, 30 yards of penalties on one clay, um, you know, the, the mistakes, dropping a ball. Um, they, they just got to be cleaner. They got to be more sound. Austin, they cannot beat themselves. If they don't beat themselves, I think Tennessee can – can and, and I've picked them to win this game if they have a dozen penalties in this game Tennessee's in trouble I agree um I, I think it's important not how they finish yeah that's always important but to me it's how they start this week yeah I think this this group of kids this program needs to get off to a good start that doesn't mean they have to go go touchdown 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 but they can't fall behind 10 or 14 and come back and win in my opinion I think that that team would get too down on itself I think if they can get out and they're playing even or ahead of Missouri, then this is a real chance for Tennessee to get one on the road, get back to 500 in league play with South Carolina coming to town next week for another nooner at Neyland Stadium. Guys, final thing, a big, big week for, for hoops as well on campus. Rick Barnes really likes this team. He, he should. What's the, what's the synopsis? Give us the bullet points, uh, uh, the cliff notes of what's happened on the hardwood this week at Tennessee. Uh, they got it. They they're, they're on the practice floor. They've got a ton of com competition on that team. They're deep. Uh, they've got some good competition with some veterans and obviously some newcomers that can play in the transfer and pow. A lot of weapons to pick from. A lot of guys trying to figure out can I ever please Rick Barnes because he's hard to play for, particularly at some positions. So um, I, I'm sure that the, the warm and fuzzies went away pretty quickly. Uh, and I know they did when they got on the hardwood because Rick Barnes believes this team has a chance to be a really good basketball team. Got to peak at the right time. Got to have some young kids develop throughout the season, but they got a lot of weapons, that's for sure. Who is the force behind the idea that if two SEC teams have COVID issues, they'll both get a loss? It's not the coaches because they're angry about it. Uh, that, that they don't like that. They don't like that at, at all. Um, so I, I'm assuming that's the medical task force and, um, you know, your, your commissioner and, and I, I guess AEDs had to vote on it, but I, I don't know of a coach in the SEC that likes that rule at all, uh, that likes anything about it. So, um, hopefully we don't have to deal with those hopefully with, you know, not. football's been fortunate so far. Uh, Rick Barnes's team is not hundred percent vaccinated. So that always brings in the possibilities. Even if you're vaccinated, there's still a possibility, but, uh, you could get a little contact tracing and some things like that as well. But, uh, hopefully that's not going to be the case. But I can tell you this, coaches are not happy with that move at all. Guys have safe travels to Columbia, Missouri. Uh, Brent, in your case, so Austin, you too, but Brent especially with the radio broadcast. <laughs> Here's to no lightning delays uh, tomorrow. Oh, amen. Yeah. Have, have a good broadcast, and we'll catch up next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Brent guys. Hubs and Austin Price, always great to have them on the show each and every Friday, the Tennessee Power Hour with VolQuest.com. We're about to check in with uh, with Chad Withrow, who is out in Scottsdale, Arizona, for uh, the bachelor party. I wonder if he's having a better time there than what we had in New Orleans, Paul, for, oh, for my no. bachelor party. Well, I mean, he's just at the beginning, yeah. but he's not going to have a better time. And I think of it more as um, I think of this as a hiking trip with a part, a small party attached. This is a hiking trip. Uh, Withrow did leave us with his top 
college football games of the week. Which Prepare. We will. I always have to put out a warning before this graphic goes up. Yeah. That if you're prone to seizures, <laughs> you might want to look away or at least squint. Well, for, for he gave us 10 games, uh, his top five, and then he gives some bonus. He tips, likes which, to call it nine. Right, nine, but it's 10. It's 10. It is 10 this week. Uh, a lot of SEC matchups uh, for him as well. Uh, Florida, Kentucky, his fifth best game to watch. I'm right there with him on that. I cannot wait to see this game. Six o'clock Eastern on ESPN. It's a triple header of SEC games on ESPN. Uh, Michigan and Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, and what is a, a, a solid matchup in the Big Ten. Michigan did not play well in the second half against Rutgers last week. Meanwhile, Wisconsin was outscored 31-3 to in what was a close game uh, to, to Notre Dame until the 31-3 fourth quarter. Uh, that game is at noon on Fox. Cincinnati, Notre Dame. We had Bobby Carpenter on the show earlier. He told you this game right here will have the most impact on the college football playoff if Cincinnati can win. That is a signature win on what could be an unbeaten season you feel for it? a non-Power 5. Are I do. you feeling it? I do. Cincinnati, I'm not feeling it. Since he has tons of speed on the outside, big playmakers put the ball in their hands, they can win this game. This is a tight one, though, on NBC. I want it, but I don't feel it. And then the top games of the week are in the Southeastern Conference. Arkansas has won all four games by double digits. They face an elite Georgia Bulldogs squad tomorrow at noon on ESPN. Can't wait for this kickoff. Can Arkansas shock us all? We're all buying into the style of play and their mentality and, and their identity. But Georgia is known for the same. This is old school against old school. This is going to be a battle. And I, I wonder if this is where Georgia truly uh, spikes the football, so to speak, on how elite they really are, especially on defense. And then the number one game, the game I'll be uh, attending and we'll be previewing tomorrow in Tuscaloosa for Outkick the Tailgate, presented by Farm Folio. Ole Miss and Alabama, the 2.30 Central kickoff on CBS. Chad Withrow joins us from Arizona. Chad, uh, I'm, I'm with you on these top games of the week, man. I think you nailed it. I appreciate that. Um, and uh, good to see you guys, by the way. Uh, got a couple palm trees behind me, so life is <laughs> it's good. It's coming right here. out of your head. Yeah, none of none of those games. You notice the state of Arizona not featured any of those top games, but uh, certainly the top lifestyle uh, out here with people. So uh, this is uh, th th this is terrific. Looking forward to a big weekend. I don't know. We've hit some themes this week. Hutton's big on the you know the Titans have to storm the Jets and and slap uh, them around. Slap them around. <laughs> I I just uh, seeing it again here like. The top two games, and everybody's fired up, and the collective point spread is 32 and a half. Name two better two games. Things. I'm not saying they're better games. I'm just saying it's weird that everybody's so up for these games that if they play to what Vegas says, will end both with two touchdown, uh, two touchdown scores. Well, it's ex it, the excitement is not uh, in the point spread. The excitement is in – Alabama and Georgia being these two elite teams so far this season. And now we get to see if Arkansas and Ole Miss, Arkansas and Ole Miss are really good, but are they great? I think that's the intrigue of these games and the atmosphere around both of them are going to be incredible. Uh, that's what people really want to see. Now, look, I, I'm a uh, spoiler alert, but I'm, I'm taking Alabama to cover. I think Arkansas keeps it closer uh, with Georgia, but that's a, well, an 18 point spread also. But I think Paul, the biggest thing with these games it's not necessarily that we know they're going to be really close. It's that we are hoping they yeah, are really close because people want to hope 
that maybe Alabama and Georgia aren't light years better than the rest of the country. And I think we get a small sample of, of seeing if that's true or not uh, tomorrow. I share the hope, and I, I hope they're interesting in the fourth quarter. I fear they won't be and that the Cincinnati game is the, the game of the week. And I'm not so sure about, about that one. I, I hope I want Cincinnati to break through against Notre Dame. I really do. Mich- Michigan-Wisconsin should also be a solid matchup, but it's just not going to receive the same intrigue as you have the top of the Yeah, it's of not the as high-flying, right? Yeah. Chad, uh, I know you're about to go on a hike later this afternoon. What's uh, the hydration situation? You, you should be well-prepared after that flight to Scottsdale last night. Yeah, it was the uh, bumpiest flight of my life, boys. Oh. Uh, probably a bad omen for this bachelor party. That's, uh, that's a great graphic. Oh, so right. good. <laughs> Take a um, shot of that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be so quick to cross out that first part of it. You never know. You get wild on these bachelor parties. Who knows the, what's going to happen? For those listening, but, no, it says uh, intent on hiking Brokeback Mountain instead of uh, Camelback Mountain. Go continue, out. Chad. There's been there's been some jokes. Uh, there, there's been a few uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Heath Ledger jokes amongst our crew also. But yeah, bumpy flight coming in last night. Bumpiest flight I've ever been a part of. Uh, even one of those flights where there are a few people screamed. When the oh, bumps were oh. so bad on the on the descent into Phoenix, uh, but it's a beautiful like a setting out route. here, and uh, you know, looking forward to watching some football and hiking that mountain. And I will say, you know, I joked about it, but uh, I have a very large bottle of water that I'll be taking with me on this hike. Awesome. And I, I don't know if you guys can, I can maybe direct it that way, but is that a golf the, course or a pool? Camelback Mountains right over there. We have a putting green next to our pool. So that was a putting green that you saw. Did anyone reach for the uh, – the, uh, I don't even know if there are vomit bags in the back of the, the seats on planes anymore. Yeah, they're there. Uh, did they're anyone there. reach for those while they were screaming last night? Uh, no, that did not happen. But a, a, an idea for a future primary complaint probably next week happened for me uh, with the person sitting next to me. It was a full flight. And uh, at some point we have to get into – the person who brings nothing on a four-hour flight to read, to watch, anything else. Ronnie, these the limo people, driver, does that. He just these sits. These people are psychopaths. This <laughs> yeah, person just sat what... and stared for four hours with nothing, no computer, no iPad, no phone, no book, no magazine, nothing. Psychopaths. That's exactly people. what and, they uh, say about Ronnie, the limo driver, that he's a psychopath. I think the sunglasses look fantastic, by the way. I, I, they're, they're doing their job. Thank you. So no need to go buy four pair of $15 sunglasses. No, only when you lose, only after you lose those in a few hours at, on the mount. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't happen. The sunset, that the happen. sunset stroll on uh, Camelback Mountain for Chad Withrow later this evening. So beautiful. Uh, he joins us early afternoon out in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, give hey, us, a, go ahead. A big shout out to uh, Paxton, who you'll see on Outkick the Tailgate tomorrow, uh, who lived out here at one point, uh, who hooked us up with a reservation. For dinner tonight with oh, a, a connection. Where are we going? So thanks nice. to her. We're well, going to uh, one of the Maestro restaurants. Maestro is a big name, a big restaurateur here in the desert and owns uh, multiple restaurants. We're going to Ocean 44, a seafood restaurant uh, tonight. So I'll, I'll tell you boys all about it when I get back. When in the desert. If we were seafood. there, we'd be going to Ocean 45. <laughs> hey, uh, give us right. your, give Spoiler us your, alert, by the way. I will be having the swordfish. There you I, go. I will have the swordfish. You absolutely must. Uh, give us your um, your ranking here. Um, New Orleans bachelor party, just the start of it. 
to Scottsdale, Arizona bachelor party and the intrigue and the buildup for this trip. Well, has, has Hutton's friend arrived, had a bunch of ketchup and thrown up yet? <laughs> uh, no, that has not happened. Um, I will say the energy level and intensity of the New Orleans trip off the charts to start. This one, we didn't, I didn't get here until 10 o'clock local time and probably stayed up on the next to the pool and had some drinks and talked until 1 a.m. Uh, I was up at 6 a.m. this morning because I can't sleep past 7 or 8, and it was 8 a.m. Central time at that point, so <laughs> I got up. Start. So it's off to a much like slower pace on this trip. I, I think it's probably going to pick up oh, yeah. uh, sometime around so. broke back. I mean, <laughs> yeah, things will really heat up then Guy's for up sure. up at 6 o'clock the first day when he needs to be resting up to be – Storing up his tank. I can't. I can't sleep. I cannot. And I, I, Paula was killing me. I'm like, why? Why am I up at six? And I was just waiting for someone else to get up. And then they finally, I heard someone else up. Like, okay, I guess I'll get up now. Waiting like for someone else to get up. He's standing over their bed. Yes. <laughs> like a little kid. Are you awake yet, Dad? Are you awake? I was hoping the smell of bacon that I was cooking would awaken the house, and it did not. That's so beautiful. Chad, get after it, man. Uh, enjoy Scottsdale. It's a, a lovely country, and um, I will uh, be updating you on the trip to Tuscaloosa as well. We look forward to seeing the sunglass collection when you get home. Absolutely. Miss you guys. Looking forward to a good trip. Uh, I'm, I'm missing out on uh, Outkick the Tailgate. I'm, I'll be watching that tomorrow from Tuscaloosa. I know uh, you guys are crushing it. I know you'll crush it tomorrow as well. Uh, have a happy football weekend, everyone. And uh, I may jump in the pool here in a second. <laughs> Cheers. You should have done that live. That would have been a big hit. Yeah. Cannibal. I'm, I'm, we're disappointed you're not shirtless right now, sunbathing. Yeah, should I, should I, no, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. He is hairless that, under there. We know that. you got to pay for that type of privilege. That'll be on my OnlyFans page after the show. <laughs> Cheers to you, man. Enjoy it. Tell everybody we said hello. All right, boys. Crush it. See ya. I'm Chad Withrow from Scottsdale, Arizona. At the bachelor party. Well done. I was going to say, I'm uh, jealous of that sunshine, there. but I'm looking out the window here. It doesn't no, look that yeah. different. No, it's fine. It's good. Good. Now, the, the hike and everything else involved, maybe the golf is really great there. We also have a palm tree. We, also, we, we do have a palm tree across the street here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky. A hike Moonshine. is one of those things. Like, I enjoy the hike, but the anticipation of the hike, I don't enjoy. Uh, but once you're there, you're there. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm up for a good hike, but to talk about the hike, I'm not that in. We give our final thoughts on Titans and Jets and the matchups to watch on Sunday afternoon. That's next on Outkick 360. What a fun Friday edition, Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. We hope you'll follow us on social media throughout the weekend at Outkick 360. Tomorrow morning, Outkick the tailgate presented by Farm Folio. You can find our link at OutKick and at OutKick360 on social media, on YouTube. We'll stream it live 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, 8 to 11 Central. We'll be live from Innisfree T-Town right there, downtown Tuscaloosa, uh, prior to kickoff for Alabama and Ole Miss. That's the 2.30 Central kickoff time on CBS. We'll be going to the game after the broadcast, jam-packed show uh, tomorrow morning, Jay Barker, former national championship winning quarterback for Alabama, will join us on site. LT, Lance Taylor from the next round, uh, will be with us as well. Glenn Gilbo from Outkick will be on site. Uh, Clay will be there. He's already there. I'm about to go join him and Jill Savage. It's, uh, it's going to be a, a fun atmosphere for college football. Can't wait for that. Um, and can't wait to come back on Monday, Paul. Recap 
my weekend in Tuscaloosa, Chad's weekend in, in Glendale, or Scottsdale, excuse me, uh, your weekend covering the Titans and the Jets. Three-way split. A this, this, lot of mileage. This should not be a letdown game for the Titans. No, no, it shouldn't at all. You know who I'm looking most forward to is Harold Landry. Harold Landry has one and a half sacks only. But the, the pressure is really up. He's the first player in the NFL this season with at least 10 pressures in a game. And he now holds the record for most pressures in a single game for the Titans in the next-gen stats era. He was all over the place against the Colts. <clears throat> I think he's going to get more and more results. Um, and he and Ola Adeni uh, are going against George Fant and Morgan Moses. They both struggle with speed rushers. Um, and and uh, Harold Landry is first and foremost a, a, a speed rusher. So um, I'm looking for a big game from him. Uh, I'm looking for more tangible results from him. You like the pressures, but ultimately you want the sacks. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> he's playing a lot more snaps than Ola, though, uh, you know, if Dupree's out again, maybe not. Maybe, maybe they'll play equal snaps. I think things may be coming together for Landry in a new way. Uh, contract year. Mm-hmm. You love guys, hungry guys in contract yes. years. And Landry's been it. a good player but not a great player. And they need a great player. And here's the thing. We've talked about this a little bit. <clears throat> if he has the kind of year that he could have, if some of these pressures start to turn into more sacks, say, and he gets into double digits, he could price himself right out of being a Titan. The Titans want to re-sign their own guys. They haven't developed their own pass rusher in some time. But they haven't been re-signing their guys who get themselves into the thing where they have to be overpaid. Now, they just overpaid for somebody else's pass rusher and Bud Dupree. Will they overpay for their own pass rusher? <laughs> or will he go be Bud Dupree and oh. sign with somebody else if he's good? On or is he just below that good if he is an eight-sack guy, a seven-sack guy, and re-signable? On top of the fact that there have been several swings and misses in the draft recently, and, and Weaver just went down for the season, or at least we presume, with a broken leg or broken ankle, so there's your, repla- your replacement in the pass rush who's hurt coming back off injury. He's out for the year. You've got big investment in, in Dupree, and you have Landry who is setting himself up for a mega year. Yeah. Or does Ola have this big year where you say, oh, my God, we just found right. a bear, a cheap. He's probably a one-year deal, too, so he might yeah. price himself. But well, he's not going to be as expensive as Landry. But there's more turnover. You know, they have six new starters this year on defense, but also Evans, Jayon Brown's on a one-year deal. Uh, Landry's up at the end of they the year. They got a lot of replenishing yeah. of and the some of the guys you don't need do. back, right? But some yeah. guys you plan. David on Long back. is going to be here and be a big part of the defense. But Landry's a tricky, tricky guy, and I think it, you know he's good player. You need him back. Is he a good player? Is he a great player? What's it going to be this year? And does it erase what he's been for the last three years, which is pretty good, but not great? If he's great this year, does that mean he's become great? Yeah. What does it mean? But I'd like to see more. I'm, I like the work work rate. I'm not using the word coast on Sunday for the Titans, but this is a 31 to 10 type game. I mean, this this should not be a struggle whatsoever, right? I mean, we're yeah, going to be talking I bet about on balls the Titans, which I don't. I'd take them. In balls, a Missouri Titans, Jets, and and much more uh, coming up on Monday. What will be a jam packed show from right here at Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine? Paul, when do you depart for New York? 
I'm on like a 7.05 flight tonight. Hopefully I won't wake up my parents as I tiptoe into their house this morning, and we'll have a great breakfast tomorrow. I'll spend the day and see my brother and his wife as well tomorrow evening. It's been over two years since I've seen my parents, which is yeah, it's crazy. crime. So I'm really excited. Enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy it. It's going to be a fun weekend. Join us for Outkick the Tailgate, presented by Farm Folio. Again, that is tomorrow morning across the Outkick Network. Uh, myself, Jill Savage, Paxton Elrod, uh, and uh, plenty uh, of cast, including Clay Travis, live at 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 Central, across the Outkick Network. Thanks for joining us for Outkick 360. We may not say often enough how much we appreciate you. We appreciate you, especially when you don't block the box and you lock the locks.